Welcome back to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the founder of Super Abundant Women, an online community making it easy for driven Christian women to put God first and maximize that God factor so they can create the life of their dreams. In the not-too-distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal, to teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ in order to build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Olaomi Brigway, and welcome to episode 98 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. It's always a pleasure and a privilege for me to bring you these episodes, and today is no exception. I'm truly excited about what I'm going to be talking about. It is part of the new series that I started last week. If you have not listened to last week's episode, uh, I'm going to ask you to go back and listen because hmm, it was hot. Okay. Now, before I go into what I'm talking about today, there are two questions that I need to ask you. Number one, have you subscribed to this podcast? Yes or no? Number two, have you rated and reviewed this podcast? Yes or no? <laughs> By doing one or both of those things, it actually makes it easier for us to be found on all the different platforms. Because what happens is the platforms, if the podcast is rated and reviewed and there's a lot of subscriptions, they think, oh, this must be good. And therefore they bump it up and then they start recommending it. People that had never heard of this podcast find it and it at least gives them an opportunity to decide for themselves whether it's something that they like or not. So I'm going to encourage you to please take two or three minutes out to do that. If you're an iPhone user, you can literally go to the podcast app and find the Super Abundant Life podcast. Scroll to the, first of all, subscribe. <laughs> click subscribe. Even though some of you are regular listeners and you listen anyway, but it's good if you actually hit the subscribe button for the reason that I explained and then scroll to the bottom where you will see the stars, five star, because if you're showing up every week to listen to me and you want to give me one star, mm -mm, no. Okay, if if it was that, send me a message because I keep saying, give me feedback. So how is it that you will not write me and give me feedback? Then you got to give me one star, or even two star, or even three star, Seth. Eh? Okay, five star. <laughs> and then write a short review. It doesn't have to be, 
and epistle you can literally just write a one word review it doesn't have to be long it's just the fact that you have written something regarding that podcast if you are not an iphone user probably the best way you can leave us a rating and a review and subscribe is via spotify a lot of people are on spotify so again type in the super abundant life podcast search for us subscribe and then rate and review on there as well i would really appreciate it if you did that for me Okay, if you do that for me, you'll be doing it for me. I'm not pretending that there's some kind of selfless thing I'm asking. All right, it is entirely for me. So I'm saying, please do it for me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Before I move on, there's a review that I'm going to read that someone left for us for the podcast on iTunes. And it really honestly really did blow my mind and this was all reminded me actually that ah, i do actually ask people to rate and review which is not very good this is something that i should be reminding you of so that you're aware of it and how important it is to the podcast so here's a shout out to Masalas, and this person says these teachings are god sent lifeline a library that I find instructive and brings resolutions to the things I am experiencing and finding difficult to deal with on my own. An incredible gift. Thanks be to God. Wow. That is humbling and it's mind-blowing at the same time. I'm really grateful to read such reviews and I'm waiting, or let me say looking forward <laughs> to reading your own review okay so let's move on and let's get into what i'm going to be talking about today i started a series called extreme productivity playbook in episode 97 so a week ago and i'm going to be continuing with that series today where did i get that from and what do i mean by extreme productivity playbook ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 says if an iron head is blunt and a workman does not sharpen its edge he must exert a great deal of effort. So wisdom has the advantage of giving success. What do I mean by that? What does that scripture mean? That scripture means that you will find yourself doing more with very little results if you do not sharpen the edge. And what does it mean to sharpen the edge? There are certain strategies that wisdom will produce that will make your work easier, that will skyrocket your productivity and that's what this series is all about and i also said i mentioned this in the first episode of a series which was last week i talked about how it is futile to keep hacking the fruits off a tree and thinking you are making advancements no the tree will produce the fruit again it's only a matter of time so it is better to go to the root of the tree meaning to deal with certain internal things routines habits ways and patterns of thinking belief systems that are hindering productivity because if you address those at that sub level then you are more likely in fact what am i saying you will most certainly advance your productivity and you will achieve greater outcomes in the long run so that's what this series is all about extreme productivity playbook looking at the things that you can re-engineer yourself into in order to skyrocket your productivity and your rates of advancement in whatever it is that you find yourself doing so whether it's your career whether it's your finances your parenting your marriage your health 
okay? If you want to advance at a rate that is extraordinary, then you need to listen carefully to these strategies that I'm pulling out from the word of God. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the second strategy in the series of Extreme Productivity Playbook, and that is simply this. You must commit, commit, must, (laughs) to growing and stimulating your mind daily. It's a must. It's a must. Anyone that is not growing or stimulating their mind daily they are honestly going to find it very difficult to advance in this life. Even if you are a Christian, even if you are quote and unquote praying, and I'm going to dismantle some of the ideas that we have regarding spirituality because we sometimes as Christians hide under the cloak of spirituality and think, oh, I am a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm praying or whatever it is. I don't really need to develop my mind. Nonsense. (laughs) I don't know where people get these things from because all over the Bible, God teaches us that you must grow your mind. You must look after your soul. The Bible teaches us that Romans 12 verses one and two are basically the verses that my whole life, my ministry, anything that I get up to do in the morning, that is the core of my life. And verse two says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to prove, meaning access the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. If God did not want us doing anything with our minds, he would not have put it all over the scriptures. So the mind, the soul of a man is incredibly important in the agenda of God. You can't separate the soul from Christianity. The Bible talks about the salvation of the soul. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. And I'm going to break it down. I try to make these things as clear and as practical as possible. So that literally from listening to the podcast, you can get up and say, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, and get moving in your own transformation and actually produce results, not just like up in the air kind of knowledge that may inspire but will not produce anything because you don't have any clear steps to take. And that is why the world needs teachers. I'm a teacher, okay? Whether I teach of mathematics or a teacher of the word, that's what I do. I have a unique gifting to be able to take complex ideas, break it down so that you can take your first and next step towards your goal and your outcome. So are you excited? I'm going to be talking about the importance of the mind and why you must daily commit to growing and stimulating your mind, stimulating your mind. And I will also share with you five strategies, five things you should be doing daily or at least, at least regularly in order for you to multiply your productivity. Now, a lot of people give excuses and use time as an excuse not to do some of these things that I'm going to be talking about today. So we hear ourselves saying things like, oh, I don't have time to pray. Oh, I don't have time to get into the Bible and study the word of God. Oh, I don't have time to read. That's a very popular one. I'm too busy to read. Oh, I don't have time to think. My life is so overloaded with activities that I don't actually have time to 
sit down and think something through and you can keep inserting things. This whole, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time is so deceptive because let me tell you now, and please write this down. If you're making notes, the reason why you don't have time is because you are not doing these things. If you prioritize these things that I'm going to be talking about today, you will find yourself with an abundance of time. There are certain activities that will automatically leave your life because you gain wisdom and you will have more time. Let me give you a practical example. Let's say a few kids go down to the stream. They all have different containers and their goal is to fill up a massive drum with water from the stream. So there are two kids. One has a cup and one has a big bucket. The first one with the cup goes first. So he goes down to the stream. He takes the cup, dips it in, gets some water, walks back to the drum, pours it in. And then he's going there and he's looking and he thinks, oh my goodness, I need to fill up this drum by tonight. I can't even afford to take a break because it is advancing so slowly. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity, so much activity that this child does not feel, and rightly so, that they can even take two minutes out to rest. Does that sound familiar to you where there's so much activity that you just feel like, oh my God, I can't even take 10 minutes or 15 minutes to rest. This child is committed. They want that outcome the same way you want that outcome. They want to fill the drum, but because they're using a cup to take water from the stream, they have to exert more strength. They have to commit more time, more energy, loads of activities. The going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between the stream and the drum because they want to achieve the outcome. Now, there's another child that has a big bucket. Because he has a bigger capacity, it means that the number of times he will go back and forth between the stream and the drum will be far less than the child that has a cup. Now, what is that telling you? It's telling you that when you increase your capacity in terms of your mind, your wisdom, it automatically reduces the activities that you're doing. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wisdom automatically reduces your activity. So if you keep finding that you don't have time, you are lacking wisdom. I'm sorry, but uh, it may sound a bit, you know, but what I'm really trying to say is there are things, if you expose yourself to certain things, you will find more efficient ways of doing them. As a result of that, you will get your time back. It is not normal to be constantly overloaded with activities. It's not. Even God wrote the Sabbath into a law. They said, no, we must work and work until they quench. They said, no, I, I refuse <laughs> to allow you work and quench. I decree that every seventh day you must rest. You must not even lift a finger. And every seventh year you must let your land rest. So God actually wrote it in as a law because he understood that. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to be working and working and working and working and have your life overrun with all sorts of activities. I read an article that Bill Gates wrote and he was talking about how he was introduced into this concept by Warren Buffett. He had thought that for a lot of years growing up that he had to work and work and work and work and work. And he thought he was being productive until 
He had a sit down with Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett said to him, you're doing too much. And he handed him his pocketbook, his diary. And he said, look at my diary. Bill Gates opened his diary and for days, there was only like one thing, I think for a whole week, maybe two or three appointments. And he was like, my goodness, why is your diary so empty? And Warren Buffett basically told him that you must have time to think. You must have time to read. You must have time to expand your mental capacity. Because when you're overrun with activity, you will make up for that shortfall by doing more activity. That's it. Okay? So, <laughs> I don't have time to pray. Ah, no, you cannot not have time to pray. You cannot not have time to get into the word. You cannot not have time to read and some of the other things that I'm going to be talking about today. Because the more you dedicate your time to these things, you will find yourself doing less and less and less activities, but getting more and more and more results. And the quality of life also massively improves. Jesus is our example, right? He says in Luke 2.52, sometimes we think Jesus just floated down. Okay, yes, we see that he was born as a baby, but we just think that he was born as God, like from a baby as he was, you know, drinking milk from his mother's breast. He was like pointing and, you know, he couldn't speak yet. So we just like look at somebody and, and wave his finger and say, be healed, and the person will be healed. No, be so. No, be so. The guy grew. He grew in two things. Luke 2.52. He grew in stature, physically, literally, because he was born a baby, and in wisdom. That's talking about the mental realm. Do you know why the Bible didn't say he grew in spirit? Because it was God. The moment Jesus was born, he has always been God. He was not like a mini God that then grew into becoming God. No, he was always God. The moment he was planted in Mary's womb, he was God. So in your spirit, you are everything you will ever be. The mind is the problem. The soul is the problem. If we don't increase the capacity of the soul, growing the mind, stimulating the mind, we remain as babies. So Jesus grew, it says, in stature, physically, and in wisdom, mentally. And as a result of that, what happened? He grew in favor with God and with people. What does that mean? Number one, he became more and more whom God made him to be. So he grew into his full stature as a son of God. He grew in the expression of it based on how much he developed his mind and his soul. And secondly, he says that he grew in favor with people. That's talking about his influence and his impact with people. And what's that? Productivity. This is what differentiates the 1% from the rest. Honestly. If you commit time and if you prioritize expanding your mind, you will see the difference in as little as three months, as in your life will be radically different to where you started in only three months time. If you prioritize nurturing your soul, because very simply, the quality of your life is determined by the state of your soul. No questions, 
no arguments. So what I'm going to be talking about and sharing with you are some non-negotiable, mind-stretching, mind-growing activities that must be going on in your life on a regular basis. I've said daily, right? Even if you're not doing all of them daily, you should be doing some of them daily. And there are five altogether that should be going on in your life. If you're already doing some of them, increase because of this podcast that you're listening to increase the frequency at which you're doing them and you will literally see your life take on a new dimension it's directly proportional the more you increase the capacity of your mind your soul the more you will see your life advance at an accelerated rate Right, let's get into it. The first one and the most important one and the most obvious one is prayer. Now, do you know why people don't think prayer is about the mind? They think prayer is quote unquote like a spiritual activity and that's it. Like you're just going into the cosmos. (laughs) You're going into the cosmos. I'm going to, to meet with God and everything is just so amazing. Oh God, God, God. And uh uh every time you go into the place of prayer or at least should be transformed because remember your spirit he says that christ dwells in your spirit the holy spirit dwells inside your spirit man your spirit man is new it is seated in christ it is all you will ever be so why do we need to keep going into the presence of god and engaging in prayer It is so that your mind, your soul can be transformed and become more and more like the Christ that is inside you, that you will grow in stature. So it is not your spirit that is growing to become like Christ. Your spirit is already in the image of Christ. It is your soul that needs to be molded because remember, You were born into a world that has molded your soul a certain way. So God has to undo all those things. And the more he succeeds in doing that, the more you can express who you really are in your spirit. Do you understand that? That's what prayer is. We have reduced prayer to, I want an answer as in external manifestation. What? What? Prayer is not to get answers from God. Like you go and pray, God, okay, this is what I want. And and then you now wait and then boom, the thing happens on the outside. Prayer does not do that. Pray, I'm telling you now. Let me tell you what prayer does. Every time you pray, yes, you are reaching for an outcome. God begins to change you. He changes you. He transforms you. To become the person that that thing then effortlessly becomes attracted to. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these other things shall then be added to you. They will flow to you effortlessly. That's what I teach. (laughs) That's what my coaching is. Anyone that has done James with me, you know that is what we do. We don't go after things. Things are supposed to come chasing you. You don't chase money. Money is supposed to come chasing you. You elevate yourself to the realm that you want to be operating in. And the things in that realm literally start chasing you. That's how it works. So prayer is actually God having an opportunity 
to help mold your soul and become more of that thing that you want, that God is showing you. And when you are elevated to that realm, effortlessly it flows to you. That's how it works. So when people don't understand the purpose of prayer, they will go into prayer, they will pray mindless prayers. And what I mean by that is their minds are not there. They're not engaging with God, like, you know, having a conversation. They're not doing that. They're just literally coming, release all their prayer requests and then walk away. <laughs> like, okay, I've told you what I want. Now get to work and go and do it. No, no. That's why people say, I'll be praying, I'll be praying, I'll be praying, I'll be praying. And they're exactly the same. Their soul is still the same. Their heart is full as unbelief and fear and anxiety and bitterness and all sorts of things that you could imagine for, since the five years they've been praying about this thing. In their soul, it is still exactly the same way that they are seeing the situation and they say, I've been praying. No, you have not been praying, madam. You have not been praying. You've just been talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Prayer is not going and be talk, 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 talk. Okay, God, I've said what I want. Give it to me. No, you seek you first. The kingdom. So God's way of doing things and it's righteousness. You become that thing and the person you are now then effortlessly attracts the thing you want. That's how it works. Someone says that I want to be promoted at work. I should begin to pray. What really happens? God begins to change some of the faulty thinking. Like, oh, it's only this kind of people that they promote to this kind of level. God begins to show you that. Have you not, have you not seen, can you not see that you are a son of the most high God? Can you not see that you are made in my image? How can you feel that you are inferior to somebody else? He begins to change it. He begins to show you that, okay, there are some things that you need to know in your mind. You need to sharpen your intellect. You need to be able to be seen at a certain level. God begins to do all these things in the place of prayer. He begins to give you ideas. Now, by engaging with God at that level, you are becoming literally somebody else. To the point that the next time you show up and you apply for that post, you are literally somebody else. You walk into the room and they know that this is the person. Why? Because you have become the kind of person that should be promoted to that level. And it becomes effortless. Do we understand that? So that is what prayer is about. It's an exchange of thoughts. You exchange your old ways of thinking for God's way of thinking. Let me read Isaiah 55 to you. Let me show you the, the whole point of prayer. All these things that I'm saying, I'm not just plucking them out of the air. It's in the Bible. He says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. That's prayer, isn't it? You will agree with me that that's prayer. He now goes on to say, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Can you see what I'm saying? God says, come and pray so that, not so that you can get so that you can change, right? I'll keep reading. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. 
Let them turn to the Lord and he will forgive generously. Then he goes on to say, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Can you see that prayer is actually about change? It is not about getting So prayer is the most effective tool to grow your mind and stimulate your mind daily. Imagine having a conference call with the creator and the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Some of us will pay all sorts of sacrifice to sit in the room with someone that you admire, that you think is doing exceptional things. Just have 10 minutes of their time. You either pay lots of money or you give your time or you invest something just to have that opportunity. Now imagine... Oh, the infinite mind, as in you can't cap God's mind. You can't estimate his intelligence. That kind of person is now saying, come, come. He said, come and rub minds with me. It is amazing. That's what prayer is. When you see prayer like that, you won't think, oh my God, I have to pray again. Oh my God, I prayed and the thing is not happening. No, you will, you will be excited. You'll be like another opportunity to rub minds with the creator and the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Another opportunity for me to have all those bad, bad things that are just glued to my soul to be literally washed away so that I can become a new person that is operating on a new level and that is enjoying a new quality of life. That is what prayer is. And you must be engaging in prayer at some level every day. That's number one. Number two, (laughs) the word, the word of God, meditation on the word. This is also part of prayer, but I've distinguished it because some of us know to pray, but we don't get into the word. So I'm thinking when we even say we're praying and we're not getting to what, what are you praying? If the scriptures are not the basis of your prayer. What, what are we actually saying? What is the content of the prayer if it's not the word? What are we saying? It's like, oh God, you know, they, this word, you know, I know that the idea of romanticizing relationship with God is appealing. Like we want to turn God into gist partner. I'm sorry, God is not your gist partner. Let me say that again. God is not your gist partner where you feel sad. Then you go into the presence of God and you start complaining and you start moaning and saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Did you not see what God said to the children of Israel? They turned God to their gist partner. They were everything they were feeling. They went into God's presence and kept saying it. God said, as I have heard you say in my hearing, so will I do to you. I mean, that's not now. Am I saying that you don't ever express yourself to God? Of course you do. But this idea of prayer is gisting with God. (laughs) Go and read all the prayers in the Bible. When people gather to pray or when somebody is praying for somebody, eh? it must contain the word. It has to contain the word. That's why maybe uh, that's a light bulb going on for somebody there. All your prayer for years has been you just sitting down telling God what you want. No, you don't open any scripture. God only honors his word. He doesn't honor what you're saying. (laughs) 
angels do what the hacking to the voice of his word. So the hacking, when you give voice to the word of God, is as simple as that. Prayer must include the word, but I've separated it into meditation on the word. What is meditation? Meditation is literally when you open the scriptures and you begin to roll the scriptures over in your mind. You mutter it to yourself. You give attention. That's literally what meditation is. You give attention to the scriptures until it forms images in your mind, until it stops being in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth as in words, and it literally enters into your existence. And you actually know, you can feel within yourself what it means when it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So for example, if I were to meditate on Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. So I begin to think that it is God who created the heavens and the earth. So God created me. So I'm taking it from history, like God created the heavens and the earth, and I'm bringing it into my own space. God created me. God is the one that created this earth. So that means that I, as a son of God, I have the authority and the privilege to walk the face of the earth, not with timidity, but with confidence and boldness because my father owns everything. Then you are beginning to paint a picture. You are beginning to see yourself inside that word. That's what meditation is. So when you open the Bible and you read the Bible, again, this is an activity that will literally transform your soul. And it is something that should be happening regularly. The Bible says that as you behold Jesus, you are transformed into the same image. So as you behold the word, you are being transformed. You are literally changing. You won't even know it. I mean, take time and say, I'm going to commit to get into the word. You, you won't even know it. There's something we do in so-called the wisdom compass. And it's a way we study the Bible with what I'm describing right now. Not just reading the Bible mindlessly as an obligation, but really getting into it and drawing the juice from it. Let me tell you how studying the Bible and meditating on the Bible practically can affect your life. So somebody studies that and for example, we, we just finished the book of Ruth and they see something and they, they're going about their daily life as normal, but they have engaged with the word of God. The word has expanded their mind to show that, for example, giving selflessly has great reward. So maybe they're, they're doing something at work and there's somebody that needs their help. Before they actually engaged with God in the book of Ruth, they would have thought it was my own. Eh? Are you paying me double salary? No, it's not my project. I don't care. I'm not doing anything. I have my own work. You're telling me to come and help you. No, no, no. But because they have engaged and their mind has been expanded, they immediately see an opportunity to be selfless. And they take it, not expecting that person to pay them back, but understanding that God is going to open a door surely somewhere for them. Can you see how they have changed without carrying a bell and ringing and going all around town saying, I'm changing, no, I'm changing, no. No. They won't even know that they have changed. They just realize, ah, I think you should behave like this. Oh, that's what we're saying. <laughs> If the person had not gone through that experience, they would never have recognized that as an opportunity. They would have seen it as a threat. Like, you want to come and pile more work on me? No, I'm not doing it. And that's how people miss their breakthroughs. 
Do you understand that? So meditation on the word. God told Joshua categorically. He said, these shoes you are feeling, Moses' shoes, not be small thing, okay? Let me tell you how you will exceed what Moses has done. Meditate on the word day and night so that you may observe. Observe, observe. He's not talking about so that his, his eyes, physical eyes will become 2020 again. The observation is talking about is his mind. So that your mind will be expanded and then you'll be able to have good success. Meditation on the word. Don't read the Bible mindlessly the same way I talked about prayer. Where people just read. Before they finish reading the chapter, they've forgotten everything. They're doing it out of obligation. It is better to take one verse literally and meditate and chew it and repeat it to yourself and carry it in your mind throughout the day than to read 10 chapters and you don't remember what you read okay that's when people view it as a spiritual activity quote and unquote it's all spiritual but what i'm saying is the spirituality of it is actually the degree to which it is renewing your soul it's not measured by Oh, somebody's ticking the register in heaven. No. In fact, the definition of spiritual is that you are not carnal. And to be carnal means you only make decisions, choices, actions based on the world system. That's what carnality is. So to be spiritual is to be guided by God. And how do you get to the point where you're guided by God when your soul takes on the imprint of Christ? Okay. Number three. <laughs> sorry if i'm sounding very passionate about this this is the work of my life honestly i think i'm just i've had it up to here you can't see me but i'm pointing at my neck with us christians acting as if we don't need to think we just be following join this prayer meeting join that prayer meeting oh this one is popular now we run there oh this one is popular now we run there oh this one's trending now we run there no, know ye not who you are, that you are a son of the most high God. Know ye not who you are, that we have to go and run and be chasing people, chasing people, pray for me. It's because the soul has not engaged with the maker to know who that, that person is. It really bugs me. I'm, I'm super passionate about this. We're living as slaves walking when we should be princes riding the horses. And it is this issue of the soul that is preventing us from riding on the horses as princes. Number three, books. You thought I was, you were, you, you were dodging. I said, well, God, don't let her say books. Okay. She can say prayers. She can say, well, don't let her say books. Oh, Jesus. You know, that prayer can never be answered. Books is there. <laughs> Number three, books. Books, B-O-K-S, it's plural. No, no one book that you've been reading for 10 years. They say, oh, I'm reading it. And I'm also not talking about buying books, loads and loads, you see, but you've never opened it. I mean, let me clarify that. I have an expansive library. I haven't read every book in my library because I see a book, I'm immediately adding it to my library. I invest so much in books. So, I mean, I haven't read everything. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm always reading. I'm not talking about you have books that you haven't read. I'm saying you bought all the books, but there is only one you've been reading for five years. <laughs> okay. Somebody needs to hear that. No, it's not godly. It's not godly not to be reading books. Everyone you see in the Bible, they read books. 
scrolls, they used to call them parchments. These people read. Read throughout. They were learned. They were learned. They read. Paul read. He was an avid reader. Books. Courses. Things like that. They say, come and buy a course. Say, hey, how can I pay that much? Wait, the person here, the person that uh, went through all sorts to gather that knowledge, not just knowledge, because we say something I can Google on Google. <laughs> something I can find on Google. Okay, why am I sounding so rash? Something that you can find on Google. Okay, say, why do I need to pay a thousand pounds for that? Or why do I need to pay even 250 from people? 257, they are like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Or why do I need even 10 pounds to buy books? Eh, 10 pounds, eh, 10 pounds, eh, that's McDonald's money. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, you can tell. But let me tell you why. Why you cannot live life by saying, no, oh, I'm just going to go and search for it on Google. Wisdom is different from knowledge. You can be exposed. And we live in an age where Oh my goodness. In fact, I'm seriously streamlining the amount of knowledge that's coming to me now because, oh Lord Jesus, it is overwhelming. You can get so distracted, pulled in so many directions that you actually do not make progress. So what you want to do is you want distilled knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge in a usable form. So the person has gathered knowledge, gained understanding, because understanding is different from knowledge. The Bible talks about the sower planted seed. It says the birds came and they chopped the thing. They ate it and they didn't produce any fruit. Why? Because it was knowledge. The Bible says it's because they did not have understanding. So you can go and Google and Google, but if it's not actually streamlined to the point where you gain understanding and then after the understanding, you actually have the wisdom, you know what to do. It translates into action. You have just wasted your time. You may, you may be able to quote and say, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I, I know exactly how to deal with that problem. This is exactly what you do. But if they look at your life, it's not there because they don't have understanding and they don't have wisdom. So the person that has gone through, they taken the knowledge because they've literally walked through the process. They have distilled it in a way that is easy for you to gain understanding and then convert it into wisdom, which is action. That's why they must charge you. I'm constantly investing in developing my mind. I don't play with that because I understand the value of having access to wisdom. It's important. You must be willing to invest in that. You must be willing to invest your time, your energy, and your money into worthy causes. Books, courses, and everything else similar to that. Training programs, anything that stretches your mind. How? Through exposure to someone else's experiences, perspectives, knowledge. It's like bringing a third eye into your life. I'm, I'm talking purely now, when I say books, I'm talking purely now about educational books. So non-fiction. For my lovers of fiction, I'm coming to you. Okay. That's actually an important ingredient as well. I'm coming to that. I'm actually talking about that next, I think. But first of all, let's talk about something that 
expand your mind by bringing you knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Okay. You must read books. And do you know, we live in an age now where they've made things so easy for us. There's audio books. Instead of saying, oh, I can't, I, I don't want to sit down and read. You can listen, but don't listen mindlessly. So if you're listening, be doing something like maybe you're driving where there's nowhere to turn. <laughs> Okay, you, you have to listen because remember, like I said, as I say, oh, I've been praying, 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 but you're not engaging. It can't be mindless. Don't let it be mindless. So make sure you're engaging with there's audio books, there's electronic books, there's physical books, there's courses that people that would literally record videos and show you exactly how to do it. The progress that I've made in my business and in my life in general is down to me gleaning wisdom from other people. Like in my business, because I understand this principle, the first thing I did was to invest thousands of pounds in getting courses, business coaches, thousands of pounds. (laughs) And I'm still doing that. And I'm still doing that. Last week, we engaged a contractor to come and build our marketing. And I pay them thousands of pounds because I'm a business person. I have to think like a CEO. I'm not self-employed solopreneur. As a solopreneur, you won't spend that money. Be like, hey, Jesus, that's my profits going. No, I'm a CEO. (laughs) If I want to grow the business, I have to be able to think like a CEO. And yeah, you didn't even pinch me. You didn't even pinch me because I know what they're coming to do. I know what they're coming to invest, to help us build the systems that will produce the outcomes that we want. I can't do it myself. I don't know. I don't have time to say I want to be sitting down and learning, learning, learning. And no matter how much I sit down and say, I want to learn it myself. I'm just going to Google how it's done. The quality that I'll produce will be far less than someone that has gone through the process that I explained, which is knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Even though me, I would have even invested probably 20 times more time, more energy, but they'll probably spend two hours and what they'll produce will be far superior to what I can produce. Don't compromise in that area, please. Okay. We, we know how to take care of our physical bodies. Fantastic. Do that. But by all means, allocate, make sure you have money that you're setting aside to invest in something that is helping you grow in your mind. Do you understand that? That's helping you grow in prayer, in the word, in your knowledge, understanding and wisdom, in your career, in your health, in your marriage, in your parenting. Absolutely crucial. Do you know that Pharaoh's dream would have died if Joseph had not come into the room? Pharaoh had a valid dream. He had something in his heart that he wanted to achieve. In fact, God gave him that dream. God put it in his heart. He could have spent 20 years until after the family had killed everybody trying to figure that dream out on his own. But one person that was skilled 
in the interpretation of dreams, walked into the room and in five minutes, they had a blueprint. They had exactly what to do to solve that problem. That is what I mean. And you access such things through books, through courses, through programs, through whatever it is. You must do it. That's number three. Number four is stimulate your imagination. The imagination is such an important part of your soul. The imagination. Unfortunately, I was telling my coaching clients in the GEMS group coaching, I think it was last week, that unfortunately, our parents beat that imagination thing out of us. They beat you. If you sit down there, they'll beat you. They say, so he's my friend, face your work. Or teachers, they'll can you. Someone is gone, lost in thoughts, just daydreaming. The ability to imagine every child is born with it. Children can imagine. They'll, they'll be telling you stories like, where did this one get this story from? I'm choo-choo, it's a train, I'm flying through space. Oh, mommy, look at me. And the child can see very clearly what that child is saying. <laughs> but as we grow, the wahala of life just beats it out of us. That you don't even know how to imagine again. But what you cannot yet imagine, you can't enter into in your life. I'm telling you. It has to, first of all, be formed in your imagination, the image must form within you first before you can experience it in your life. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, when God called him, said, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. He didn't say go to the land that you want. <laughs> he didn't say just go to any land. He said go to the land that I will show you, meaning when I show you that land, that is how you can go there. Imagination, imagination, sight is so important. God also told him, he said, look at the stars. God gave him pictures to expand his imagination. He said, look to the north, the south, the east, the west, as far as your eyes can see. Imagination is so crucial. So if you're so busy laying down with activities that you don't sit down to imagine, to envision the life you want, honestly, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So how can you practically stimulate your imagination? That's why I said my fiction people, I'm here for you. Fiction, stories, biographies, movies traveling, going to new places, seeing new things. For some of us, the area you live in is the only area you know. You don't even say, okay, I live in London. Let me even travel to other parts of London and go and see what's happening. You know, let me even engage with other cultures. It stimulates your imagination. You need that. Now, let me put a word of caution here. The imagination is so powerful that when that image is fully formed, it will by itself reproduce that image in your life. So if you go and keep watching things that are stimulating your imagination, the things that you don't want, huh? you are actually giving that movie license to make your life look like that. So don't be led by entertainment alone. Don't say, oh, but his, the program is nice, it's nice. Oh, it's, you know, the people look hot. They're so hot. You know, the guys are hot or whatever. 
and so it's so, but the story is so intriguing and <laughs> it's so interesting but they're doing things that ordinarily you wouldn't want in your life don't do i'm begging you don't do that because your imagination does not distinguish it will reproduce once you keep feeding into it okay so as i said stories read stories read about people's life experiences biographies fiction um movies travel to new places engage with people that are not like you you live in a particular area get in your car and just drive to areas where the kind of houses where you're like wow see this house we know this all me my my family we do it say it's long truth hello i'm telling you that you can't experience what your eye has not yet seen inside it's not possible it's not possible so you must see it stimulate your imagination by doing that you notice that jesus always used stories there was a man that was planting seed there was this mountain that was sitting there <laughs> he used stories the bible is full of stories because he knew that that was the quickest way to engage people's imagination and as a result of that form that image of the kingdom so he used stories to translate people from the realm that they were into the realm of the kingdom of god so expose yourself to stories it's very very important and the last one is to expand the range of your emotions so let's talk about emotions now because remember we're talking about the soul as a whole emotions how the most important way and the most effective way to expand to sharpen your emotions is through conversations interactions with people practicing forming thoughts in your mind and converting them into words communicating them through conversation through writing through things like that journaling these are things that will help expand and stimulate and shapen your emotions it's very important you will notice that you find yourself in an office and because you want the money okay you don't want to get sacked <laughs> but you have a colleague let's say that is difficult so you go to work every day and this person acts in a way that irritates you but you are stuck there sometimes a lot of times in fact god places a hedge and dumps you there he builds a wall and puts you there so you can't literally just get up and walk out like in a job you can lead you to a job where he knows somebody will be needling you every day like putting pin inside you and be like god it's uncomfortable here i just want another job but you keep applying don't get another job it's because god is saying this is your emotion okay we need to do something about the state of your soul and he'll leave you there so that you can always have that interaction the engagement to help build up your soul right so the person keeps irritating you you're like what is going on you can't just get up and walk out and resign after all mortgage has to be paid all right and the person will not stop you've tried everything then you begin to realize that ah do you know what before this one will come and make my head go crazy i will just ignore them whatever they do mm -hmm, that's your problem well, well, that's your business then you find that ah, this person's behavior is no longer affecting me the way it used to the person is still doing exactly the same thing but somehow because you are growing 
because of that interaction with that person and exposure to them, you are climbing to a higher realm to the point that the person may never change, but it, it means nothing to you. And very soon you will notice if you think, sit down, think this through that the moment you get to that point where you're like, they're just being childish. It makes no difference to me. That's when you apply and then you get a job or they'll promote you. <laughs> just that what I'm saying. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the wits of another. That's talking about your soul. You will get sharpened. Marriage is the biggest sharpener. <laughs> Jesus. Marriage. Well, you can't go anywhere. You are sleeping on the same bed. You are with them all the time, especially in the early years. In fact, even after early years, it's a rise in waves. <laughs> That's why people check and say, I'm done, and they leave. They don't understand that you are there to be sharpened in your soul. You are there to be sharpened. So interactions with people. You work in an office, and you say, oh, I'm reserved. And if you know me, you know that I'm an introvert. So I'm not asking you to do something that I've not learned to do myself, that was difficult for me. But I came into an understanding of this principle. You can't just sit down there and say, I'm an introvert. I don't really like talking to people. And then you don't talk to people and you just keep to yourself. No, you are keeping your soul at that level. You have to make yourself do it. You must make yourself do it. You have to mix with people that you ordinarily would not maybe talk to and you may feel uncomfortable with. The more you interact with people say, oh, the, my accent, I, I feel, you know, weird listening to my accent or whatever. You will notice that the more you interact with them, it ceases to be an issue. You become more comfortable with hanging out with people that may be Caucasian. They were thinking before, oh, they're judging my accent. After a while, they're like buddies. You don't even think about color again. Why? Because you have been sharpened as a result of that interaction. This is how you expand your soul in the area of emotions. It is through interactions with people, through conversations, through actually engaging with people. So don't run away from that. Don't shy away from that. Okay. <laughs> Five powerful ways that you can grow and stimulate your soul regularly and when you do that your productivity will literally skyrocket that's what i've come to share with you <laughs> don't forget please head over to spotify or to itunes and rate and review the super abundant life podcast every time i see a new review as much as i can i will come on the show and i will read it out and give you a thumbs up a virtual thumbs up so i'm looking forward to reading at least one review on the next episode thank you so much for listening to this podcast and i'll be back next week <laughs> bye <laughs>